Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Here we are. It's the end of an era. Last new noise episode. You know how it works around here. Every single week we're trying to bring you the news, the important stuff, the things happening all around the world. For the last how many years we've called this new noise. We're coming up with a new name. We're letting you help us do it. Your hosts will remain the same. I am Aaron Camaro, joined as always by my awesome friend, Chris Sinzak. How's it going, brother? Hanging in there, recovering from Los Angeles, but I'm good otherwise. Yeah, this man was out there in California helping out, put together an awesome party called Cruise Fest. That's Cruise Fest with a K. Right. Heck yeah, man. Hanging out with Anton Fig and Todd Howarth and the Iron Maidens and Slaughter and all that good stuff. It was a lot of fun. Saw Vinny Apice. He came out, was part of the event too, and it was good to catch up nice. with him. And uh, of course, several of our podcasting friends, Julian Gill, Andrew Scambatti, Steve Wright, Potter Than Hell, um, a lot of other people. It was it was a lot of fun. Did you meet a lot of friends and fans of the Decibel Geek podcast while you were out there? I did. Had several people come up and, and introduce themselves and say hello. And the one from the furthest away was a guy named Tommy Vikdal from Norway, who uh, I met before the concert on Friday. And so he said, I'm probably your only Norwegian listener, but I've been listening for years. Nice. And, awesome. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was That's cool. great to catch up with a lot of people, uh, a whole lot of work. Um, I don't think I would ever want to live in Los Angeles, but it was cool to experience. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what we always say about Los Angeles. Like, awesome to go visit. Go see the things like the rainbow and go to yeah. the whiskey. And if you're going out there for something awesome like Cruise Fest or the, the Kiss Cruise, you know, a lot of our friends are on that right now. Great place to visit. Would I want to live there? Mm, probably not. <laughs> no, I don't know how. I'll stay in Tennessee. I don't know how people do it. I got back home last night and I was just like, thank God I'm home. But uh, yeah, it was cool. But yeah, no, excited to do the last new noise, and we'll just rebrand it. It'll be the same type of show, but 
trying to avoid confusion. Yeah, next week we may be calling this uh, Talk To Me, Stolen From Cobras and Fire. (laughs) (laughs) Right. We got a poll going on in the Decibel Geek community. You can vote for one of the names already listed. You can add your own name on there, and maybe it'll take off. Right now I see that GeekWire is way in the lead, but we're going to leave it up for a little while and see how that goes. I voted for GeekWire myself. Yeah, me too. I think that's a good one. I'm betting and hoping that's what we're going to be called, not Diabolus and Podcasticularius or whatever. (laughs) Ian Wadley suggested that one. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we'll see how it goes. I, I mean, if that one wins, we'll have to have Ian on as a third anchor. Oh God, I shouldn't say that. We'll probably that one will win for sure. <laughs> yeah, I know. You just swayed it in that direction. I was just kidding. I was just kidding. <laughs> right. Now for the drunken report, we go to Ian Wadley. Wadzilla, what's new? Uh. <laughs> Ian, uh, new resident of Seattle. I don't know if you heard. I saw that. I didn't know if it was for real or not. It's for real. He, he, him and his wife moved up there, and uh, his, his son and grandchildren live up there, so uh, okay. it just made sense. I, I texted him. I was like, you get hooked on heroin yet? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. The dirty space needle. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. But no, it's... Uh, no, I love that guy, but no, it'd be interesting to see what the name ends up being. Obviously, Aaron and I have final say because we're the ones who have to host the show, but uh, it's yeah. cool to see all the suggestions. Right on. Awesome. Well, if you got an idea or you want to vote, well, that's the place to do it. Decibel Geek Community on Facebook. Join in on that, and you can be a part of the awesome conversation and the place where we probably interact the most with everybody that listens to this show. Mm-hmm. Other than that, you know, the Decibel Geek VIPs, you want a little extra? We just got done recording a really cool episode of the Chris and Aaron show. That should be coming out really soon. Talking all about the behind-the-scenes stuff at Cruise Fest yep. with a K. Kind of stuff you're not going to hear on the regular show. Yeah. Only for the VIPs on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com, look up Decibel Geek, choose whichever level you want to commit to, and enjoy all the extra content. There's a lot of stuff in there yeah. from many years. Yeah, over 100 hours worth of stuff. Nice. So I guess we we do what we do around here for new noise. The last one, we're going to keep the tradition going. We're going to talk about all the latest happenings in rock and roll. Chris Sinzak, you're the man with the news. You're the anchor that weighs the most. All right. I don't know. I think that was an insult, know. but okay. I don't know. Yeah, right. it didn't mean I didn't mean for it to be an insult, but it kind of, it kind of sounds shitty. <laughs> right. I'll try to carry my weight. Uh, not- oh man, always weighing us down, Chris Sinzak. All right? Yeah, you're welcome. Um, not a not a big story, but uh, something I'm I'm trying to keep my eye on because I want it to happen. Uh, in a brand new interview with the Metal Voice, former Anthrax and current Armored Saint frontman John Bush was once again asked whether he is still open to the idea of embarking on a special uh, on a special tour during which he would perform material from his time in Anthrax. And he said, uh, it's never gotten to the point where it's actually been made to happen yet, but I'm offered the idea. I think it would be great. I really don't want to go out and do like a 30-date tour with it, but it would be cool to do a handful of shows in some key markets. We can certainly play those songs for a support slot or even a headlining slot. I think there's enough songs on the four records I did with them that would make for a great show. 
um, who would be in the band. I'm not exactly sure. I talked to Paul Crook about it because I love Paul. He's a great guy. He was there when I made a couple of those records as far as engineer and playing yeah. and guitar. And I have done some stuff with metal, the Metal Allegiance guys. We've done Only in Room for One More at various shows. Rock and Rio would be one we just played. I'm open to it. It's just a matter of the timing, I think. I really hope this happens because I would yeah. definitely be a ticket buyer to see that show. Oh, yeah, for sure. Especially if you got Paul Crook. I mean, that's the way to do it. You know, if, if the other guys are busy, obviously, yeah. they're in Anthrax. Right. So Paul Crook's available. Grab him. You got a couple of authentic pieces there. You fill in the rest with guys that are quality players, and I'm sure John Bush knows plenty of them. That'd be amazing if something like that went on tour. Yeah. I would 100% go to that. Yeah, I would definitely want to see that. Um, next story, a new interview with Jeff Godlosi, I think, of misplacedstraws.com. Carmine Apiece commented on the copyright dispute over whether Zeppelin's song Stairway to Heaven was a ripoff of the spirit song Taurus. I'm sure you've heard that rumor before. Sure, yeah, that's been around for a long time. So Michael Skidmore, the trustee of Taurus songwriter Randy California's estate, uh, had brought the claims more than four decades after the song appeared on Zeppelin's fourth album. In 2016, a L.A. jury deliberated for about five hours, deciding unanimously in favor of Zeppelin. The case was revived in 2018 uh, before a court of appeals upheld the original verdict. In October of that year, the U.S. Supreme Court declined to hear the case, basically ending it. Uh, Carmine, uh, when he was asked about it, he says, that was all baloney. Those chords are a stock set of chords. There's not anything yeah. that's amazing about the chords. It's the melody on top and the lyrics and the way it arranged that m really made that song happen. So it's just, I guess, some guys trying to make some money because they're hurting. Randy California died. Who else is in the band? Randy's right. Randy's father died. The surviving members probably didn't go on to do anything, so they thought, well, maybe we could sue Zeppelin. There were other lawsuits that meant more, like when Ozzy got sued by Bob Daisley and Lee Kerslake for the first album, Pleasure of Oz. That was legitimate, and they lost when they shouldn't have lost. I don't know. I've listened to both songs. I think that the Spirit Estate, or whatever you want to call it, does have an argument. I hear enough similarity in it to where I think it has merit. But as far as a court ruling on it, that that's the tricky part. Right. I think it may be a little different if Randy California himself were still alive yeah. and was bringing forth the case. But in the fact that he never did in his lifetime, then it kind of looks like, oh, here's some relative trying to cash in on something. Yeah. Which, you know, I mean, similarity is similarity. And I don't know. It's, it's like one of them weird things how there's so many songs that you hear and go, oh, that reminds me of this, or that's kind of like that, or this is a total rip off of that. They don't generally sue each other. I mean, I remember back in the day when Psycho Circus came out, there was the story that Alice Cooper mm -hmm. was suing Paul Stanley over one of the songs on Psycho Circus. Yeah, Dreamin'. Dreamin'. And it's got, I mean, kind of a similar yeah, it's a, sound it's to it. It's the chord progression from 18. It's pretty similar. Pretty similar. But, I mean, that's not out of the range that you couldn't probably pick out 10 other songs that have that same kind of structure to it. That's the rub. That's the hard part to prove because, I mean, yeah. there's only so many notes. I could point to 10 different examples of songs where that happens. But, I mean, I think Alice Cooper's camp did win that lawsuit, though. But at the same time, I think it was like a percentage of sales or something. And honestly, I mean, Psycho Circus did do well initially, but it, we're talking about pennies here. Dreamin' didn't go on to become like a big hit no. single or anything like that. 
I don't know. That's weird how that works. The first time I heard it, though, I was like, sounds like 18 by Alice Cooper. Yeah, I, I remember hearing the Sort that, of, till the singing starts, and then the singing's totally different, yeah. but the guitar is pretty similar. Yeah. It's not nearly as good of a song as 18. Uh, no. No. It's not bad, though. It's okay. I don't know. Did you see? Have you watched any of the footage of uh, Wasp kicking off their tour in Vegas the other night? Well, now I see what you're talking about with the giant microphone that when <laughs> Blackie stands behind it, you can't even see the guy. Yeah. It, uh, it, I, I guess I heard it weighs several hundred pounds. Crazy. But uh, he, uh, they've uh, Wasp has opened their tour with Armored Saint opening. You know, another me- reference to John Bush. But I'm seeing really, yeah. really good reviews for it. it sounds like the, everybody had fun at the show and. Uh, we, I saw Julian Gill the other day at Cruise Fest, and um, he was going to see them, I think, at the Whiskey um, nice. last night, I think. Oh, man, I bet you that was amazing. Yeah, but I, it looks pretty cool to me. Um, but the the big news is that he uh, performed Animal Fuck Like a Beast for the first time since 2006. Wow. I bet you people went nuts when he broke into that. Yeah. Um, although there's... Because I didn't think he would play that, given that he's very open about his christianity and how mm-hmm. serious he is about it and has been for years now yeah kind of didn't expect him to play that song well he did mention in um an interview recently that he's kind of come around on the idea of doing it where he's just like you know as far as his christianity goes of saying well it's part of my past and it's just a song it doesn't necessarily mean i'm espousing what i'm i'm singing about so i think he's right and he knows that the fans want to hear that song that's it, sure. it's probably one of their best known songs so i mean i, mean, I get honestly if you took that perspective that wouldn't leave a whole lot of wasp songs <laughs> no. not from the early days anyway anyhow no but yeah, the other uh the set list was uh i guess he started off with a, a medley of on your knees the flame the torture never stops and inside the electric circus i love all those songs yeah he did crazy then uh love machine nice. wild child Heaven Hung yeah. in Black. That's cool that he did that one. Wow, yeah. I love that song. Uh, Arena of Pleasure, The Idol, The Great Misconceptions of Me. Sweet. And then the he had two encores. The first one was Chainsaw Charlie, which you, gotta, yeah. you have to do that one. Um, Blind in Texas, of course. Yeah. Then he did uh, Animal and The Real Me, the Who cover, and then uh, cl- closed out with I Want to Be Somebody. Shoot, yeah, man. That sounds awesome. I can't wait till he gets to Nashville. Yeah, the the thing that sucks is I'm probably gonna have to miss that show. No. Yeah, I think uh, we're gonna be going to Texas to visit our son since he's been over. He's been stationed overseas so much. And now he's got a house with his new wife, and um, I think I'm gonna be flying out the the same day as the show. Sorry, kids. Blackie Lawless is gonna be in town with a wasp. You understand? <laughs> I was tempted to say that, but uh, <laughs> I'd like to stay married. As your wife slaps you in the back of the head. <laughs> yeah. Just like, go fucking marry Blackie Lawless, an asshole. If you love him so much, why don't you marry his microphone stand? I couldn't afford it. <laughs> you want to talk about weight? Let's talk about Blackie's yeah. microphone stand. Yeah. Um, well, in uh, probably the least shocking news ever, the rumors are now confirmed. Mick Mars is now retired, and John Five is a member of Motley Crue. Wow. I mean, Mick Mars has had his troubles for years and has toughed it out. You got to give him credit for that. And it's kind of sad. You know, you talk about end of an era, 
Mick Mars, I feel like, is one of the most underappreciated guitarists of any era. Yeah. You know, the stuff he was coming up with for crew throughout the years. You know, yeah. the early stuff is so iconic. The first album, Shout at the Devil. Think about some of those amazing guitar riffs and just yeah. killer guitar solos. I mean, he was on the forefront of that whole swing of music to make it make that sunset strip scene that would be so important that Molly Crew was on the initial crest of those guitar riffs, man. Without Mick Mars, Motley Crew never becomes that, I don't think. No. I mean, he was a riff master. I mean, he Yeah. He and he could write riffs that were equally heavy and catchy at the same time, which is not an easy thing to do. One hundred percent. You know, stuff that the dudes are gonna rock out to and the chicks are gonna dig also. Yeah, I mean, he, and the, you know, a lot of people are like, well, he wasn't a guitar hero as far as his soloing goes, but at the same time, a lot of that stuff in the '80s got dated to that period because of all the all the tricks that everyone was doing, and you know, he did good hard rock blues bass, you know, leads, where almost like his leads have aged better than a lot of those players. Yeah, well, he's a guitar hero to me. Yeah, and I'm excited, and uh, I think, uh, you know, I don't really. I, I'm not going to pay for a ticket to see crew for other reasons, but, um, John five is a good pick for that. I mean, I, I, he can play those songs in his sleep, so I'm sure they're, they're going to be in good hands with him at lead. Jeez. How long is it going to be before it's just Nikki six and the Motley crew experience? Well, if they get a new singer, I'll be there. Yeah. I, I mean, that's what you got to kind of look at is probably next, you know, if, well, if we can go on without Mick Mars, we don't need uh Vince Neil. Yeah. Slowing us down and, then the next thing you know, he's looking at Tommy, going, "Man, you got you're always falling down the stairs and shit." You know? <laughs> I, yeah, well, I think Tommy's there for the paycheck. I don't think I think Tommy stopped caring about Motley Crue songs twenty years yeah. ago. I, I'll go do a rap album. Yeah, well, I, mean, I don't need this. But, and you know, good on him for whatever he's into. People are allowed to change their taste, but I I haven't had the impression Tommy's like a big rock guy in a very long time. Yeah, you know, um, but uh, you know, he's there for the paycheck. And but to me, I think. Tommy's a very integral member, but I wouldn't be shocked if they wind up going that route. I mean, everybody else does it, so why not? Yeah. I mean, if you're going to have to replace Mick Mars, if there's no other way, John Five's a good way to go. He is. John's a great player, and he and he's a good person. So um, the thing I was when I was talking to people at Cruise Fest about this, I was like, do you think he's going to wear the makeup? Because I wonder if he's going to going to come out with his typical getup that he does live. But I mean, he may just be out there, you know, without any makeup on. I mean, there was a while there in the uh, Saints of Los Angeles era where Mick Mars was wearing makeup and stuff too. So yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't see a problem with it. I know some people were a little surprised that DJ Ashba didn't get the gig because he did all the yeah. stuff with Six AM. And I'm not speaking of Saints of Los Angeles. I mean, that has more of DJ Ashba than it does Mick Mars on it. Like John Five, you're doing great, but what we need you to do is put on this top hat, this trench coat, and hunch over and stand still. Yeah. Don't move. Stay where you're at. There you go. That's more like it. Yeah. The, the first thing we're going to do, John, we're going to break your back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, it's got to be authentic. But uh, I don't know. I I wish him the best. I, I'm not buying a ticket, but uh, I'm sure. But the funny part of, of Mick's retirement announcement was Mick Mars is retiring from um, touring gigs with Motley Crue. He will remain a member, though. And I'm like, is Motley Crue really going to put a record out? There's no way. I mean, that's probably just one of those nice things. Yeah. You know, he's not, he, he'll always be a part of the band in spirit. Yeah, I guess so. 
and he's still going to continue to make money off the name. Yeah, I'm sure he's going to get a cut of all these shows that John Five does. Yeah, you know, I'm sure that's part of the deal, but I don't know. But yeah, you know, John Five, good guy to get the gig. Um, Mick Mars, enjoy your retirement. You've earned it. Yeah. And how about that solo album you've been working on for the last five years? No shit. Well, we know more about that than other people do, but uh, yeah. it would, uh, I, 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 release them all, all the albums. <laughs> from what we heard, I'm Everything not holding you've my recorded. breath. But, uh, we'll, we'll find out what happens. But um, yeah, uh, this was a kind of an interesting story to me. Which uh, Pantera, their first uh, scheduled concert, uh, the reunited Pantera, I should say, uh, was scheduled for a 5400 capacity theater in Santiago, Chile. And it's been it's sold out so fast that they've moved it to an arena that seats seventeen thousand people. Hell yeah! So it's uh, the de- the demand is there, just like they hoped it would be. And I'm sure it'll be the same in the states. Yeah. Well, maybe not that big, but I mean, who knows? People love that band. I love that band. I'll be going to it when it comes around. I gotta imagine a lot of other people are gonna go. Well, the the, the one I'm circling on my calendar is gonna be the Louder Than Life Festival in Kentucky. I'm almost yeah. positive that they'll headline that. Yeah. Oh, that'd be amazing. But yeah, the I'm I'm jealous of the people in Chile though because they upgraded it to this arena and they added Sepultura as the opening act. Hell yes. That's a great bill. Yes, man. Sepultura is a band I never got into until well, I guess like the decibel geek era of my life. You know, I didn't listen to Sepultura when I was younger. You didn't? No. And then now I've got almost all their CDs. I'm constantly on the lookout for the handful that I don't have. I just, I love it, man. I think to myself, what the hell was I missing when I was younger when I was listening to Pantera and Megadeth and Suicidal Tendencies and stuff like that, you know? I really missed out on Sepultura, but I'm way making up for lost time now i got into them because the drummer that was in my band was really into them like so like chaos ad and roots we used to listen to that shit constantly love it yeah and i and i the first soulfly record i still think is better than the uh stuff i like soulfly a lot too man it just seems like a continuation of what sepultura was you know and then sepultura goes on and gets different members after well i mean when Cavalera leaves the band, you think, oh, that's got to be the end of them, but they continue on. I like the Derek Green stuff, too. I do, too. There's some great stuff in there. So uh, for something completely different, uh, you know, it's not only uh, Kiss that gets drama in the replacement member world. Now we're dealing with foreigner drama. Uh, during an appearance recently on Eddie Trunk's show, original singer Lou Graham was asked what he thinks of the band's current frontman, which, I mean... Yeah, you can say current frontman, but Kelly Hansen has been with Foreigner for, what, 20 years now? Yeah, it's a long time, I know. Um, He said, uh, I think he's a good singer, and he sings those songs okay. He sings them good, but he mimics my style right down to the ad-libs, and I'm offended by that. I just think that if he's going to sing the songs, he could sing the melodies that are familiar, but when it comes to the ad-libs and all the things that set me aside as a vocalist when I sing them, he should make his own up. He should have his own ad-libs or his own. He doesn't have to mimic me. Hmm. Lou Graham's a crabby old guy, ain't he? Yeah, it, it sounds like sour grapes to me. Like every time Lou Graham comes up on the new noise, it's like the headline is Lou Graham bitching about this. Yeah, Lou Graham bitching about that. He's mad about something pretty regularly. But, yeah. And I do feel a little bad for him because, um, you know, Lou had like brain issues and stuff that kind of forced him off the road. And 
he's been through a lot. He does still sound good. I've seen videos of him in the last year where he sounds great. But yeah. uh, but Mick Jones, but I also got the vibe that Mick Jones is kind of a Gene Simmons figure where he was like, well, I can cut Lou out, pay Kelly less, and make more of the money. Yeah. And that's what he's doing. But I think Foreigner's also one of those bands where I'm sure there are Foreigner diehards, but I think the vast majority of people that go to see Foreigner, they just want to hear Feels Like the First Time, Dirty White Boy, and those songs. And right. they don't really care that it's Lou Graham or, or Kelly Hansen up there. That could be wrong, but that's the impression I get from it. And, you know, the diehards want a guy that's going to be singing these songs. If it's not Lou Graham, you know, who better than Kelly Hansen? Because he's been doing it all these years now, and... If he's doing it right down to the T, it's because he probably feels like that's what the fans want. They want the authentic foreigner as close as they can get it yeah. without Lou Graham. He's not wearing Lou's makeup, so he's got that going for him. <laughs> um, you don't have the poodle perm? Yeah, and we're, I guess we're not going to get a hurricane reunion anytime soon. You know what? I liked Hurricane. I did too. They had some really great songs. Little known fact that a lot of people don't seem to know, because anytime I've told people about this, they, they're like, Really? Um, the you remember the I'm on to you video? Yeah, that was the first appearance by uh, Video Vixen Bobby Brown, well before uh, Warrant. Oh wow! Yep, she's the girl in the video. Well, let me scratch that off a future uh, Beat the Geek episode question list. Yeah, it's a uh, good spank bank material. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is she the girl on the album cover too? Oh, are you talking about the Slave to the Thrill album cover? Oh yeah. No, I don't think that's her. Okay. Whoever it is, meow. Um, <laughs> that's right. I remember when that album came out, I was like, I saw the cover in the store. I'm like, holy hell, this is, uh, that's like one of the most explicit album covers ever. If I'm to judge this album by its cover, I think I'm going to buy it. Yeah. And in modern times, I think you can buy that machine. Yeah. <laughs> it's called a Sibian or something yeah. like that. <laughs> just, go, just go on Pornhub and you'll see it in action. So I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> oh man um the next story is interesting to me because i uh i kind of have a, a background of history with what's at dispute here uh due to somebody i know on facebook i'll, I'll get to this so all right so you know acdc singer brian johnson just released uh his memoir the lives of brian that came out and okay there's a Interesting thing that, that somebody brought up in this, uh, asking an interview with Rolling Stone why he felt he had to... Uh, oh, so he he wrote... Okay, let me start over here. So Brian Johnson released The Lives of Brian, his new memoir, and oh. it, in this book he shoots down theories, and you've probably heard these theories, that Bon Scott was involved with writing lyrics for Back in Black before he passed away. Yeah, I've heard that. And... um he so I have a, a little bit of a beef with Brian on this. So the quote that Brian says was there was one particular journalist, a writer in Australia. The writer's name is Jesse Fink, because I know him on Facebook, um, who just wouldn't let go of this thing. And of course, Malcolm and Angus were like, what a fucking load of bullshit. And I said, I wish you would tell him. And their attitude was always just leave it. Just let them talk himself into an early grave. And of course, it became more and more obvious by the day that Bond hadn't because the riffs weren't there then. The boys were still doing it, so we didn't say anything because otherwise it would have given him more fame. It wasn't something that stuck in my craw a lot, but every now and then again, a fan would come up and say, this guy's saying this. And factually, it wasn't true. There wasn't an internet then. It didn't really get further than Australia, but I thought it was awful. I had to explain myself, and that's why in the book, I went once and for all, I want to put this baby to bed. 
Here's the thing. Brian's wrong on this hmm. because Jesse Fink is the writer. He's an Australian writer, and he's he's probably the most knowledgeable ACDC person of all time. Yeah, okay. This guy would collect every interview from every year and meticulously go through it. He put books out. And I don't think he had like an axe to grind here and he wasn't being personal with Brian. But if you go online, look up Jesse Fink, I guess on Google or on Facebook, he does, there's a whole rebuttal of his on here. It really pissed him off that Brian did this, but basically, and he cites multiple times in old interviews where Angus and Malcolm both admit that Bond was writing lyrics for back in black before he passed away. I mean, that would make sense. And a lot of what you hear on that record are Bond's lyrics. So mm. it's, uh, and also after, it even mentions it in this article. Yeah, so in the mid 80s, like around 85, Angus and Malcolm took over the lyric writing from Brian. Yeah. And he says, I think that was a management decision, wasn't anything to do with me. Um, I think the, uh, it'll give me a little bit of rest, not having to worry about coming up with something every now and again. I never thought, <clears throat> thought about it much. I just said, let's go ahead and do it. But Jesse Fink says, well, you know, you did lyrics on for those about to rock. And I think on uh, flick of the switch and then those guys took over the lyric writing and his argument is because you, you weren't a great lyric writer, but, wow. and the lyric writing on back in black is phenomenal. Right. And a lot, there's a lot of, and, he also cites several particular lyrics in his rebuttal where he's like, you know, even like an ex-girlfriend of Bond that was with him and went up till, till when he died, said that she found notebooks with those, you know, certain lines that wound up in the song on, you know, in his notebook. So I think Bond did write probably a lot of the lyrics on that record. Well, you think about it at the time. You don't want to say that when the new album's coming out. Hey, this is our new album. We got a new singer. But don't worry. The songs are written by the guy that you know and love that just passed away. That kind of diminishes your saying, hey, be excited for our new lead singer. Right. It's almost like you'd be saying, hey, we got a new lead singer. But don't worry about that because it's okay. We got the old guy's notebook. It's yeah. going to be fine. Then you got to come in and say, hey, we got a new singer. He was writing these awesome songs. You know, everybody's going to love our new album, Back in Black. And then everybody does, and it takes off. Mm-hmm. You'd be kind of hurting yourself to say, you know, give credit to somebody who's gone, takes the shine off the new guy who's there. Yeah. So, I mean, that makes sense, I suppose, why you wouldn't want that out there. No, I get it from a PR standpoint. But, like, even the, I think it was the ex-girlfriend Jesse cited was that, Bond had a ritual of finishing writing lyrics for a record and then he would go out and basically have a bender in a bar. And what she was saying was the night he died was that was the night he was celebrating, finishing writing the lyrics. Now, typically he would turn in the lyrics to Angus and Malcolm and then they would do an edit job on them to get them where they want them. Yeah. How they'd fit the songs. Yeah, her argument was, and they may not have written the riffs yet, so that might be true, but her argument was he had written the lyrics and finished them and was turning them into them, and that's when he went out to the bar, and that's when he died. Wow. Yeah. So the last thing he did was, like, say, here's my notebook. Here's the lyrics. You know, you can build songs around these. I'm going to go have a party, and then we'll be back, and when you guys are done, we'll record it. But he never comes back. Right. 
Wow. Yeah. I mean, when you say it like that, it makes sense. Because if yeah. you look at Back in Black, and then you look at the albums that come after that, they just don't stand up. I mean, but then again, what album does stand up to Back in Black? Mm-hmm. It's one of the greatest of all time. I think it makes Back in Black that much cooler if it's true. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. No disrespect to Brian. I love Brian Johnson, but I think he's wrong on this one. And if that's the story you've told for all these years, when it comes in time in 2022 and you're releasing your memoirs, I mean, you got to stick to it. Yeah. It certainly doesn't help you now to say, hey, I want to admit something. Right. Yeah. Um, I am going to get that book, though. I'm sure there's some good stories in it. No, I bet you there's some amazing stories in that. Yeah. Well, you want to take a break for some rock star birthdays, rock star death days, and talk about some new albums coming out? Sure. All right. We'll kick it off, as always, my favorite segment of the show. Well, it's because it's my segment of the show. <laughs> hey, Rock- <laughs> right, I didn't mean how that came out either. <laughs> We're not going to fight now, are we? I don't know what's going on. Keep saying the wrong things. The right things the wrong way or something. All right, let's just get to it. Happy birthday, rock stars. Happy birthday to you. K.K. Downing celebrated a birthday. Actually, we've got like four birthdays happened on the 27th of four awesome people that we really like. Well, most of us anyway. K.K. Downing turned 71 on the 27th. Simon LeBon, lead vocalist of Duran Duran, turned 64. Chris Aiken celebrated a birthday on the 27th. Ah, And our awesome friend Aaron Baker also celebrates a birthday a couple of few days ago on October 27th. That's a hell of a group right there, huh? Interesting mix of people. I'd like to put all them in an elevator. Like the four of those guys should do a podcast together. That'd be something. If you want to hear about elevators, check out the uh, VIP episode. <laughs> Great elevator story for the yes. VIPs. All right, let's see. Our friend Desmond Child celebrated a birthday on the 28th. Turned 69 this year. Happy birthday, Desmond Child. I mean, what can you say about that guy? One of the most prolific songwriters of all time. Yeah, I was actually uh, on the flight out to L.A. I was reading uh, Joey Kramer's autobiography that I've been waiting to read. And, uh, you know, it, he goes into some stories about, you know, when Desmond got brought on board to help Aerosmith kind of get back on, on their feet. That's cool. I bet you that's a good read, too, huh? Pretty good, but a lot of recovery talk in it. Yeah, well, I suppose yeah. that's a big, important part. Yeah, of the band and like tell the story of from the point where you can remember I walked out of rehab for the fifth time a story about how uh, how it was a miracle that they were able to release draw the line with the amount of drugs being done is pretty wow. entertaining yeah yep that's Aerosmith for you good stuff alright let's see also on the 28th the same day as Desmond Child celebrating a birthday his 66th Dave Windorf, lead vocalist of Monster Magnet. I love that band. Yeah, me too. I always remember the first time I ever ever knew anything about them, I seen the video for Negasonic Teenage Warhead on That's MTV. That's an awesome video. And that video was so cool, and the song was so good. I was like, man, this is amazing. I went out and bought the CD. It was like one of the early CDs that I ever bought. And then just a couple of years later, those guys come out with Space Lord, and that song is huge. Still gets played on rock radio today. Yep. 
Let's see. Then on to the 29th, happy birthday to Stephen Sweet, drummer of Warrant. He is celebrating his 57th. Here's a classic for you, celebrating her 83rd birthday. Legendary Grace Slick. She's a Halloween baby. 83? 83, Grace Slick. Wow. Yep. Uh, Also another Halloween baby, the Fonz. Henry Winkler <laughs> turned 77. I always thought the Fonz, hey. he's kind of the Fonz is kind of a rock star. Yeah. Got to include him. Uh, another Halloween baby. There's I got two more. Chris Slade, old yeah. school drummer from ACDC, turning 78 this year on Halloween. Wow. And Timothy B. Schmidt, the Eagles bass player, turned 75. And more importantly, backup singer on Open Up and Say Ah. Oh. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yep. That's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> All right, then. So we have then on the 31st, KISS fans will recognize this one celebrating his 77th birthday, Russ Ballard. Oh, writer of, uh, was it uh, End of the Night? End of the Night, New York Groove. Yep. One of Ace Fraley's favorite guys to cover, old member of the band Argent. That's right. Had a whole lot of solo stuff, too. I never really listened to none of that, though. Got to check it out. Uh, and also celebrating a birthday on the 31st, turning 59 years old, current drummer of the Scorpions, former drummer of Motorhead, the one and only Mickey D. Awesome. Yeah. Then let's look at November, because we're rolling right into it. This will be, will take us a little ways into November before the next new noise or geek wire or whatever it's going to end up being called. On November 1st, Anthony Kiedis of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Also, Rick Allen, the one-armed drummer of Def Leppard. <laughs> Interesting description, but okay. That's how everybody knows him. That's true. He's the drummer with one arm. I mean, it's pretty inspirational if you think about it. The Bloodhound Gang told us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. I ain't thought about that in forever. <laughs> Uh, let's see, November 2nd, original, original Metallica bass player, Ron McGovney, turned 60. And also on the 2nd, Poison bass player, Bobby Dahl. Mm. Who's older, Anthony Kiedis or Bobby Dahl? Uh, probably Bobby Dahl. By one year. Mm. You know, Anthony Kiedis from the Chili Peppers is deceptively old. He's the same age as Mickey D. No, he's a well, he's only one year younger than Mickey. No, he's a year older than Mickey D. Okay. He's a year older than Rick Allen. But I mean, you got to figure the the Chili Peppers actually started in like '84. Yeah, he's a year older than Bobby Dahl. Do you know he was a child actor? I did not know that. He well, his father was a kind of a lunatic, but uh, he was a part of the whole Hollywood party scene, but. He got Anthony in as an actor, and he was on, I think he was a bit part player on, like, Happy Days and Chips. Wow. And his acting name was Cold Dammit. Cold Dammit. I think Dammit's his real last name, because his father's name is Blackie Dammit. Huh. Yep. He had a last name like Dammit. Why the hell would you change it to Ketis? I know. Dammit's a great name. I know. I like that. All right, let's see. Uh, rounding it off, I think. We've got two more rounding us out next week. Mick Thompson, Slipknot guitarist, maybe more known as the number seven, celebrating his 49th birthday on the 3rd. 
and wrapping up Rockstar Birthdays for this edition of the show. Wish a happy birthday to former guest of the show, vocalist extraordinaire, celebrating his 57th birthday on the 4th, Jeff Scott Soto. Oh, nice. That's your Rockstar Birthdays. Keep an eye open on them for Facebook, and when the day rolls up, wish him a happy birthday. There's a uh, cool release now with uh, Jeff Scott Soto and David Ellison that's out. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's, it's got to be cool. It's it's heavy, but it you know it's got Soto's vocals on it, so it's it's, it's pretty interesting. I feel like I'm missing something. Like Dave Ellison's got a birthday coming up too, somewhere. Not sure. Maybe that's a little further up. Oh, also on the 31st, Mrs. Fugger celebrating a birthday. Oh, love you. Happy birthday, Mrs. Fugger. Let's see. Did I have that? Oh wait. Oh yeah, there is a few more here. Yeah, we'll save Dave Ellison for next time. <laughs> okay. We got time for him later. But all those people, happy birthday. You're all rock stars to us. And uh, the most important birthday in my life as we record this today, today's my wife's birthday. Oh, happy birthday, Mrs. Sinzak. She turns 25. Nice. She Not looks really. every day of it. That's right. Gets carded all the time. I'm a cradle robber. big time all right let's look at people we need to remember this week people that have passed away and the anniversaries of their passing the one that comes right to mind to me is on october 27th back in 2007 one of my all-time favorite drummers from enough's enough ricky parent passed away of cancer that's a bummer. I really, really liked his drumming. He was perfect for that band. Yeah, very talented player. Yeah. Um, here's a historical one way back in 1971. On the 29th, Dwayne Allman, of course, of the Allman Brothers band, dies in that motorcycle crash in Macon, Georgia. Yep. Want to also remember on the 3rd of November back in 2011, they found this poor guy died of heart failure on the tour bus. The last guy to ever play the role of Flatus Maximus in Guar, Corey Smoot. Mm. He was a hell of a guitar player. It was great in Guar. That was kind of a bummer to find out about that. Like, that was not too long before Dave Brockie died. But that was like back-to-back kind of tragedies for the band Guar. And we'll do one more coming up on the 6th. This one's a little obscure, but it's kind of a weird story, too. Back when the New York Dolls first formed, way back in the early 70s, they had a drummer named Billy Mercia. Yep. And he was their original drummer before Jerry Nolan joined the band, and he was the drummer most associated with the New York Dolls. But this guy, man, what a crazy way to die. He parties too hard, from what I read, and passes out. And so to revive him and get him back to the living, I guess, he must have been really hammered. They stuck him in a bathtub full of ice and force-fed him coffee, Yeah, and he ends up drowning. Yep, that's accurate. Crazy, man. Crazy. The groupies basically killed him. Poor guy. He never even had a chance. He was so young. That was way back in 1972. So those are the people you want to remember this week. Put in some 90s Enough's Enough. Man, there's some good stuff in there. Pull out some old Almond Brothers band, you know, if you feel like being mellow. And if you're feeling the opposite of that, pull out some of that classic guar.
from the 90s, 2000s era, I guess, around in there. Corey Smoot, hell of a guitar player, underrated for sure. And you know what? What the hell? Pull out some old New York dolls, too. Listen to those bands and remember those people. I was listening to some dolls yesterday. Nice. All right, as far as albums coming out, I ain't got a whole lot, but I got a few of note here. Fear Factory's got a new album coming out, or came out on the 28th, called Recoded. If you love the heavy industrial stuff, you can't go wrong with Fear Factory. Oh, here's an exciting one. Releasing their 23rd studio album. They're back. King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to be on every list. <laughs> Releasing their fourth album of 2022. It's called Changes. It came out on the 28th. <laughs> that's funny. How that's like a reoccurring joke now on every episode. It's like, oh, guess who else has got a new album coming out? <laughs> a new week, a new King Gizzard record. Yeah, you got to love that if you're a fan. Also on the 28th, the new release from The New Look, Joe Lynn Turner, the album Belly of the Beast. The single I heard was freaking amazing. I'm actually kind of excited to hear the rest of it. Yeah, me too. Let's see, what do we got coming up on the 4th, releasing their 5th studio album. It's going to be called Other Worlds, the band. It's a new one, newer, I guess we should say, the the current era of what's important in rock. The band The Pretty Reckless got a new album coming out. Their last record almost made my uh, top list for last time. I remember you talking very highly of them, and then that made They're... me go check out some of their other stuff. It's It's all good. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, I like them a lot. Here's an interesting one. Also coming out on the 4th, it's an EP called Then I'm Gone by Frank Bellow. Oh, really? You know anything about that? I had no idea about that. I really don't know nothing about it either, but I'm intrigued by it, so it'll be interesting to see what that's all about. And then another EP coming out on the 4th, Ultraman by the band Voivod. You know anything about Voivod? Yeah, I mean, I've listened to some of their stuff. I didn't know they had a new record coming out. Are they kind of like progressive thrash, sort of? That's kind of a fair representation of it, yeah. 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 I've heard some of their stuff. One thing I I always remember from them is a cover of the old-school Pink Floyd song, Astronomy Demine. Mm-hmm. Voivod does a cover of that and really meddles it up. Yeah, the, I know. Well, I mean, obviously, Doomsday for the... Dis- the deceiver is their probably their most well-known record yeah remember that yeah pretty cool so there you have it that's your birthdays your death days and some new music coming out that you can be looking forward to i'm sure i'm missing stuff so if there's a new album coming out that i haven't listed here go ahead and leave that in the comments and let us know because we're trying to let everybody know the new stuff coming out and i can't keep up with everything it's just too much so these are the ones that kind of jumped out at me I hear you. So there you have it. Cool. Any, so we got news stories to round us out for this episode. Yeah, you want to talk some kiss? Yeah, let's talk some kiss. So uh, you know the term optics, right? Uh, sure, yeah. So optics, you know, basically something you do, it's either a good look or a bad look for you. Yeah, okay. Um, kiss did something recently that is bad for optics. <laughs> Uh, they played a secret show in Texas for Philip Morris International, the largest tobacco company in the world. Oh, yeah. They were doing a Marlboro concert. Yeah, they. Uh, it was not open to the public. It took place at a place called Vulcan Gas Company. It's a small club in downtown Austin, and no more than 100 people attended the concert. Wow. And uh, 
it was a, I mean, a typical kiss thing. Obviously, no pyro or anything, but just it, a lot of cigarette smoke. Yeah, first <laughs> I drink and then I smoke. You know, um, first I drink and then I smoke. Marlboro Reds, everybody. Am I right? That's right. I mean, I guess it's uh, people have been kind of sp- split on this whole thing. You know, there's some some people that are like, well, a paycheck's a paycheck. They were probably yeah. on their way across the country to go on get on the cruise you know, make your money. Sure. But then there's also a faction of people that are like, how fucking hypocritical can you guys be? You know, <laughs> I, um, I think there's merit in both arguments. Hypocritical honestly, critical with a K somewhere in the middle, <laughs> hypocritical with a K. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but, uh, it's funny. Well, remember we had uh video Bob Mosley on the show. Sure. Yeah. Eric Singer's friend. Yeah. So we, so apparently he's the guy that kind of leaked the footage of this. He because Eric invited him to the show. Okay, and he, so he's filming it and he or he's putting it, he's live streaming it on Facebook. Uh, he is video Bob. Yeah, and now there's a whole drama behind this because he put it on his Facebook, but then, um, are you familiar with a guy named Michael Cavaccini? No, I don't think so. So Michael is like a writer, I think, in New Jersey or Pennsylvania, but he's a giant Kiss fan. He's done some interviews with Peter and Paul and some other people. Okay. Um, but Michael's always putting stuff on his site to, you know, obviously generate clicks and stuff. Well, I, I, from what I read, and this is Video Bob posting in, like, the kit, the podcast page or something, um, he had his video on Facebook, and then Michael, like, screen grabbed the video and then put it up on his website. And so he's getting all the traffic from the video because he sent out a press release to Brave Words, Blabbermouth. That's the only reason it's on this list. Oh, wow. And it says, a video video showing the majority of the performance can be found at michaelcavaccini.com. Oh, man. That's kind of low down. And obviously, Video Bob's not really happy about no, this. No, I bet not. Because Video Bob, as you probably saw in the live stream, he's a content creator himself. Sure. So he's kind of like, hey, you're you know, deflecting all my traffic to your site. That's not cool. And I guess Michael blocked him. This is all secondhand. So don't shoot the messenger, but he claims that Michael blocked him from his stuff instead of answering his questions. So there's like a big fight going on, but then also something dirty, but also Ken Mills made a very strong argument of once you put it on the internet, you you can expect to not have ownership of it because somebody's going to take it. But uh, yes, that's still kind of crappy to do it that way and then not even credit the guy that made the video. Yeah, I mean, I would at least give an attribution to it. And that'd and, be kind of like yeah. if somebody came along, like we recorded this episode and then we released it. And then somebody else took it and released it as their podcast and mm-hmm. said, hey, check out the new episode of Decibel Geek, but it's over on their thing. That's happened before, you know. Really? Yeah. There's, there, there's certain companies that they'll... They'll start a podcasting directory or whatever. Yeah. And instead of just borrowing your feed, which I'm fine with that, use our feed because we still get the download numbers. Okay. But they wouldn't weren't doing that. They were downloading the episode and then putting a new RSS feed up. Ah, oh, them fuckers. It happens a lot, actually. Wow. Um, But as a lot of you probably know, Video Bob is not a fan of ours anymore, or at least of mine. No. Because of... The argument I got, but I, I kind of side with him on this one. I yeah, think. me too. That sounds pretty yeah. underhanded, actually. Yeah, but um, 
not a great look for Kiss doing a Philip Morris concert. You know, as well, a, I mean, as, seriously, what's the big deal about that? There's already Kiss liquor that you can buy, right? Well, I mean, yeah, it's not like, oh, my God, they've suddenly tarnished their legacy. They started doing that over 20 years ago. Right. And then I always think about, like, when they talk about, like, yeah, I don't, that guy's on drugs. That's why he's a loser. But then Paul Stanley used to use his stage rap, you know, is everybody, anybody in here, hi, you know, and stuff ah. like that. Those guys yeah. always kind of, you know, wait a minute, where's the message here? What is the message? A, a, a dollar outweighs integrity. Yeah. Let's just be honest. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I mean, Gene even bought into a fucking cannabis company last year. Yeah. Drugs so, are bad, it, kids. Don't do drugs unless it's Gene Simmons weed. Yeah. Don't do drugs unless I can profit off of it. You know, um, you know but, that guy was a drunk and a loser. Speaking of drunks, hey, kids, buy my new cold gin or whatever the hell. Yeah. Well, we had we had Kiss Liquor at Cruise Fest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I actually had something called a Calling Dr. Love Rum Punch. Wow. See, and that's when that came out, people said the same thing. How hypocritical. You guys told yeah. everybody, don't drink, don't do drugs, and you can be cool like Kiss. But then yeah. here you are all these years later, and you're slapping your name on liquor bottles, you know, and playing concerts for, at cigarette companies. Well, but it's not like Kiss is going to say, hey, we're not playing this show because we don't believe in cigarettes. They're like, well, no. we're going to pay you this much. We love cigarettes. I'm smoking a Marlboro <laughs> right now. Uh, well, it, it, it's 2022. If you're getting outraged just now about something Kiss does, where have you been? Yeah. It's I mean, like, they, hey, they sold out their integrity a long <clears throat> time ago. Hey, kids, when you come to the KISS concert and you see all the flames and all the smoke coming up on stage, you think that's dry ice? It's not. We've got mini KISS down below the grates, and they're chain-smoking Marlboro Reds. <laughs> you love it. It's great. Yeah, they, uh, yeah. No, there's no integrity there, and there hasn't been for a long time. It's really, it's kind of a nothing burger of a story. And, yes, I used that word again. Somebody pointed out that I used that word. I don't know. I think it's a fun word to use. It's kind of a weird word for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, that there's our kiss talk for the week. But um, uh, so did you see this story? This is interesting to me, and it's gotten a lot of negative response, but I actually think it's kind of cool. So there's going to be – there's a thing called the Metaverse Music Festival, but it, they're doing an edition of OzFest. Okay. And – Ozzy is going to perform virtually. What? How does? Are you just gonna watch like a movie screen? Something like that. It's um. Let's look at it here. So it's called Decentraland, the world's largest user-owned and operated virtual social world, has announced the sophomore edition of Metaverse Music Festival, including confirmed talent, um, new types of metaverse experiences, and more. This year's MVMF is on November 10th through 13th with 100 confirmed artists across uniquely curated community genre stages with the newly created Web3-enabled immersive music experience. Huh. Is this like one of those helmets you put on and it's got the visor? It says, presented by digital asset platform Kraken MVMF is free for all to attend. No VR ticket or headset required. Huh. And it says, um, let me get to the Aussie part here. Just move the coaches and shit to the side and set up the band in the living room and set up the camera and let's go. Something like that. It's, um, now I can't even find the Aussie part of this thing, but it says, 
confirmed virtual performance from Ozzy Osbourne himself and exciting acts that are soon to be announced. But this is the thing. This is the, whether you like it or not, this is the future of rock and metal. You're going to see more and more of this where it's done virtually or through holograms or this type of technology. And honestly, Ozzy, I still state because Ozzy keeps saying, Oh, I'm going to get out and go on tour again. I'm going to have to die on stage and blah, blah. I don't think Ozzy will ever tour again. I just don't think it's going to happen. Because, I mean, the man's, he's struggling with Parkinson's, and every time I've seen him lately, he's barely being held up at all. Yeah, Um, I think the idea of seeing Ozzy live. It's over. Yeah, it's either that or close to over. I can see him maybe doing a one-off thing here. Well, he'll do, yeah, maybe an appearance here or there, but there's not going to be another tour. Um, But this is going to be the future of that, where he's going to do something where he puts on, like, those suits that, uh, you know, PlayStation does for, to you know, get all the sensors around you yeah. and stuff. It's that's, what's going to be the future of it. I mean, I, to me, and I know you agree, go see newer bands that are young and hungry and can run around. But for the people that just can't let go of the past, this is what's going to be happening in the future. Wow. And I, um, I mentioned this online that, uh, I was watching, uh, G, uh, well, first I was watching Gene Simmons on Howie Mandel's podcast, who he has a great podcast. Actually, it's him and his daughter. And, um, I was watching him, I watched an interview with Gene, but then, um, oh, I wound up watching another interview with him interviewing Mike judge, who, you know, who did Beavis and Butthead King of the Hill. And part of it was they have this like box there in the studio and he, um, so Mike judge did uh, a show called Silicon Valley years ago. And part of that was, uh, this company was like experimenting with hologram technology and it's it's a big joke on it though, but they were trying to make it work and they couldn't. Well, a person that was in technology got inspired by that show and has started a company. It's called like Portal or something. And during this podcast interview, the, the all of a sudden the box lights up and this guy walks into the box and he's like, "Hey, Mike, how's it going?" And it's a hologram, but the guy's in a remote location, but he's like live right there on this box. And they can talk back and forth, like live. Wow, kind of like a hologram coming out of an R two D two. Yeah, it's it's pretty, it, but it's way. It looks like the person's actually there. It's it's pretty insane. Help me, Ozzy Osbourne. You're my only hope. Well, yeah, exactly. But like during this conversation, you know, Mike Judge is like, "Wow, you you actually figured it out. That's cool." And then Howie mentions that he's on the board of directors for this company, and he also mentions that Kiss has bought into the technology. Oh. Oh, shit. So there will be a kiss hologram of some sort coming in the future. Of course there will be. Yep. Of course. <laughs> and Gene Simmons is going to be making money off a of kiss till the day he dies. And after. I don't know. I, I don't know. I think the whole idea of doing the OzFest thing virtually, I'm interested to see how that plays out. Could be interesting. Yeah, what's it going to be? That's That'll be the interesting thing. You know, and if that, it, like you said, if it works out, like, I don't understand. So is Ozzy at his house doing whatever, and then it's being portrayed up on a stage? It doesn't really say in the article. Um, but, I mean, they said the 100 artists doing it, so maybe they'll have, like, a remote location they record the set from and play. I don't know. But what stops a band, then, from recording it ahead of time, editing it to perfection, and then releasing it as if it were a live performance? Well, that's probably what's going to happen. Hmm technology 
in the wrong hands. Or you can just get turned on to new bands through our Fresh Blood series and go, go see them actually play live. Yeah, because they'll actually have real guitars and real yeah. instruments and will play for you in real time. Right. Can you believe it? If you want to see Ozzy, put a DVD in. From a long time ago. Yeah. You can see him when he was in his prime. But yeah, I don't know. Interesting story to follow. Yeah, we'll if, have to keep know, an we'll, eye on that we'll for see what happens. future episodes and see how that all plays out. But I'm not going to dismiss it out of hand right away. It could be cool. Who yeah, knows? Maybe. Um, so this is something I told you about this in the VIP episode. So uh, Judas Priest, Pantera, and Rainbow members have joined forces to create a new metal supergroup called Elegant Weapons. Elegant Weapons. Okay. This group includes Richie Faulkner and Scott Travis from Judas Priest, okay. Rex Brown from Pantera yeah, on bass, yeah. And Ronnie Romero, who was in Rainbow and MSG, singing. Huh. The new album's called Horns for a Halo, produced by Andy Sneap, who does all the Priest yeah, stuff. Yeah. Is this a Frontiers joint? No, this is, it's going to come out next spring on Nuclear Blast. Okay. So uh, I'm actually interested in seeing what this is going to sound like. I do like the lineup. Yeah, on paper, it sounds like a winner. But yeah, I was telling Aaron on the VIP thing that Claudio Bergaman, who's the uh, artist for Judas Priest's Firepower and all of Richie's stuff, is the artist for this, too. So uh, he was kind of cluing me in a little bit to it. He said it sounds really amazing. Yeah, and I know I still talk about it all the time, that classic 78 album. Yep, he did that, if too. If you're a Kiss fan, you got to love the artwork on that album. And if you're a Kiss fan and you haven't picked up any classic 78 yet, you got to get to it. But the artwork on that is just kick-ass. Yeah, he's an amazing art artist, so uh, I'm excited to hear this. I want to hear what these guys put out. Very cool, man. Yeah, something yeah. else to look forward to in the future. All right, so we got just uh, one more, and this is inter- this kind of ties into Rock and Pod a little bit. So, like the last time that we talked about Accept, I was given my review of the Nashville show, and we were talking about they had a show in Toronto that. Um, they basically had to get Christopher Williams and Martin Motnick to fill in on vocals because right. Mark Tornillo had throat problems. Yeah, we talked about, about that on the last New Noise. Yeah, and then they had to cancel the show. Well, then they came up with a solution and uh, basically uh, recently announced uh, Rock and Pod artist uh, Jason McMaster from Dangerous Toys got pulled in to do... Uh, to, to fill in for Mark Tornillo with Accept. Oh, Have you wow. seen any of the footage of this yet? No. Oh, he sounds fucking amazing. Wow. And uh, he did one or two shows on his own, and then the, the latest news was uh, that they played in Pechogue, I don't know how you pronounce it, New York, and had and Mark did what he could, so they had two singers on stage, and Jason was one of them. Well, that's pretty damn cool. Yep. You know, you got to figure you're an accept fan, but you don't know everything perfectly, and you got to get in there and learn that shit like real fast. He had 48 hours to learn it and do it really good. And it's just a random set list, you know. You don't know. You like you can say, "Oh, I love them in the balls to the wall era," you know. Like, okay, right. yeah, but we've got 50 albums, and we got songs throughout our whole, you know, massive career. Probably had to learn some stuff he may have never even heard before. Oh, I know he did. Yeah, it was uh, it was a real challenge. But man, he 
Jason sounds just as good now as he did in 1989. I mean, nice. it's it's crazy how well the guy's voice has held up. And, and his vocals are perfect for Accept. Like, he can handle that material really, really well. Man, that's badass. You got to give it up to him for that. I mean, super impressive. Yeah, but for me, you know, after seeing him at, it's just one of those small world things. So, you know, our buddy Phil and Martin and, Martin and Christopher play in Accept. Right. And then... I booked Jason for Rock and Pod, and now they're all on stage together. It was like that's just so wild, the, you know, the way, how small the world it is sometimes. It's the magic of the rock and roll world, and we're all living in it. Yeah, if you get a chance, go on YouTube, look up "Except" with McMaster. I think uh, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised how good it sounds. I'm gonna be checking that out as soon as we sign off of here. Cool. That's all I got for this week. All right. Well, there you have it. That's the new noise, the last one. Next time we do this, we'll have our new official name. If you want to vote on that, it's in the Decibel Geek community right now. So thank you guys, as always, for hanging out with us, letting us bring you the new noise. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast, a proud part of Pantheon Podcasts. If you love music and you love podcasts, look them up because they've got an awesome roster. That includes us. It's got to say something. You're going to find other stuff you love, too. Join us as a Decibel Geek VIP on Patreon. It's easy. It's fun. Like Chris said, hundreds of hours of extra Decibel Geek listening. you got to love that. And Rockin' Pod is coming up. Nashville, the weekend of March 18th. We're talking the 17th, the 18th, and the 19th. Man, a lot of great announcements have been made already about it. We've got a little ways to go. But the time to be thinking about joining us in Nashville in March is now. So start making your plans for that. Get all your information at rockandpod.com. And, uh, yeah, man, that was cool, man. I'm, I'm really glad you got to go out and help out with Cruise Fest. Yeah, well, you know, Joe and his wife came out and helped with Rock and yeah. Pod. It was, it was one of the things, like, you you know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. And uh, my wife was like, let's, let's go out to L.A. for a little bit and, you know, help repay the favor. And it was Great community. I love our rock and roll family. They're, we're all they're just so many great people. Yeah, all over the place. And if you're listening to this show, you are a part of it. And we thank you for it. So until next time, this has been the Decibel Geek Podcast for the last time. Signing out with new noise. We'll see you next time. See ya.